trafficking like Viagra, uh, you're going to do hard time. The Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. This is episode 228. This week we have Der Fuhrer in East Cobb, taxpayer-funded mutilation, what is she thinking in Fulton, Congress treated the Second Amendment like a doormat, and the proposed rubber law. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner's endeavor, writer, journalist, owner of the GeorgiaVirtue.com and dog mom, Jessica Salaji. You know it's going to be bad when I'm like OGs in your introduction. When you're what? OGs? Yeah, I'm already saying OGs because OGs. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you, Dave? Oh, it's been a pretty good week. It was it was it was it was rainy up here last week. I mean, bad. Was it? Yeah, I mean, I made the mistake of saying, "Boy, we could use a little rain. My 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 grass is dry," and then we got four days of it. You never have to say that. Yeah, never pray for rain. You're not gonna be happy. Mm-mm. But yeah, push push uh, push some of the work off into the weekend, which is fine. I mean, it's a it's a seven day a week business in, in the summertime. Not that big of a deal, but it's it's not a great idea to go holding on to copper and electrical parts during a lightning storm. No, I heard that they. You know, regardless of your skill set, they do not recommend that. But it's hot. Yeah, I don't want to die. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the linemen who, you know, like, as the storm is going on, people are like, why aren't they here yet? Well, would you want to swing from a power line in the middle of a hurricane? Yeah, why aren't they here yet? Lightning all around. Yeah, grab hold of this uh, uh, this high high tension wire and start tacking it up. That just got struck by lightning once. No, thank you. So, huh, last week I was actually tipped off on this uh, that that it was it was coming from from somebody inside the building. But we have Heil Eastside Elementary in East Cobb uh, County, Georgia. My friend. Um, Becky is a reporter in Cobb County and she posted, she wrote a story about it on the Cobb Courier, but before she posted the story, she's very in tune and covers the Board of Education a ton, but um, she posted a screenshot of the symbol and I was like, oh geez, that could be the theme. Oh geez. Yeah. It, so Eastside Elementary is the Eagles, Eastside Eagles. In Cobb County. Yeah. And they, Cobb County, I guess, came down with some, with uh, some guidance. the The school board did that they wanted to standardize the, the mascots, the the letterhead, and make it look more corporate. Which is uh, a trend that school systems have started. Like, they started doing that down here in Tattnall, where they streamlined everything too, so that also so that you were the same animal. Your entire school career. But anyway, go ahead. Well, that's tough because, 
Well, it might maybe, maybe not down there, but when you have ten uh, elementary schools feeding into five different middle schools, feeding into three different high schools, there, you know, you're going to have some crossover. Yeah, but you're forgetting the lack of creativity we have down here, like the North Tattnall Warriors and the South Tattnall Warriors, or the middle schools, and then they go on to be just the Tattnall Warriors. Yeah. Well, this they say it was modeled after. Uh, the Colonel emblem eagle, but it looks nothing like that. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It uh, even down to the round emblem. All it's missing is the swastika and the uh, and the iron eagle from uh, from 1930s Germany. Yeah, it's. I am not one of these people. I mean, when people when it's the Indians and all this other cancel culture stuff we hear about people wanting to eradicate um i am usually never on board because i just don't look at things like this this especially when you're you're talking about putting it on like a lapel (laughs) or having it embroidered on stuff and sending it out on paperwork not okay which was already ordered I believe I believe as the show's dropping, uh, the teachers are are in their prep week. That the first of August, they the kids are back in school. the the letterhead The letterhead stuff was ordered. Shirts were ordered. Uh, all all sorts of stuff was was already ordered and paid for. <clears throat> and and what you know now look, I find this stuff hilarious that people would be this tone deaf, right. Uh, that nobody in that room or on that Zoom call, however they picked this thing out when it got drawn up, nobody, nobody had any grasp of history and said, wait a minute. Then, of course, it went up to the, to the superintendent's office. Schools don't act with autonomy. It's not like just the school drew this up and they decided to roll with it and order, order a bunch of shirts and stuff. Uh-uh. This was approved up the chain. I don't know where the buck stopped, whether it was the superintendent or it was a committee that the superintendent appointed or if it went to the school board and got, got approved at a meeting. But I don't think it's across got, the street from a synagogue. It is. And in Cobb County, especially East Cobb, has a very large population of um, people who practice the Jewish faith. But I don't think it stopped. Internally, I think when it was put out for like, you know, no, we don't. We don't want for public consumption exactly as yeah. as, as when people lost it. Like I said, I, I got an early phone call on it. Say, like, hey, I, I I got something for your show, and then it was texted to me, and I was like, oh no, it's look, people are losing their minds over it. Uh, Apparently, there was some some anti-Semitic stuff spray painted on a school elsewhere in Cobb County, not at Eastside Elementary, and Last they're trying year. to yeah, and they're trying to merge these two stories. Well, no, no here's the no, 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 that's not what's happening. They are trying to merge the stories, but there's a little bit more to it. When the when the spray painting and the graffiti happened, there was a lot of um, anger about how the situation was handled because they didn't feel like it was handled well, and then they had all that drama at the school board about the um, anti-discrimination resolutions. And it was, it was literally like a house divided. Like they didn't end up passing because, and it was the um, people of Jewish faith and the, um, a couple 
people of different backgrounds that were pushing it and it ended up not passing. And so there was all this drama about that. And with regard to this new logo, the superintendent put out this statement about how they're planning to institute like an internal training to, because it shed light, this whole thing shed light on how they don't have a good understanding of history and the Holocaust. Like he literally said that. And so the argument is how can you institute an internal program about how you don't have a good understanding of the Holocaust if all these things on the past, like how can you do it internally if you're the ones with the problem? Not just that. Your teachers, how in the hell do you not have a grasp on history less than 100 years ago? And you're, you, you are supposed to be teaching. How did you, how the hell did you get a master's degree and not take any history classes? Any 20, anything from the 20th uh, century? How, how, how in the hell did you get out of school like that? And what the hell are you teaching our kids? Because it sure as hell isn't history. Well, and I think it also speaks to how few people actually put these types of things together because there's no way that I just don't, I'm sorry, not in Cobb County, not in really any school district that you just like this entire thing went through chains of command without anybody with an understanding. Um, But I don't think a dollar amount has come out about how much they've, which of course it doesn't matter. Like whatever you have to do needs to be done, but somebody how, how do you prevent something like this from happening again? Education. Yeah, but it's not just going to be the Holocaust. Know, it's, it's, you know, like it's what uh, else? Uh, all of it. I mean, you have to teach history. But the problem is, is as far as a, a quick, you know, take the blue pill uh, sort of resolution. No, it absolutely won't. There, there's there. It's the. It is so ingrained or the, 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 or the lack of history being ingrained because you can't, these people aren't going to be caught up on history From next one year. seminar, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I can, I can already hear how the seminar is going to go, which is about sensitivity and, and stuff like that and make people afraid to do anything. The, it, there, I don't think, there obviously was no malice in this. It was just stupid. Uh, you hope not. It's just stupid. I don't think there was any malice. I I think someone thought uh, uh, drew it up on a, on a computer because it's all straight edges and and things like that. But with with no with no one no historical perspective. Apparently, as Eric said, had never seen an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, I've I've never seen a logo like that on anything else. Um, so I mean, I, I don't know, but it also like it's ugly too. I mean, the colors and everything, like it's ugly. So aside from it's, it's just bad all around. But you know, what well, would be so so? To- it's it's a it's an elementary school. Why don't they have like a friendly looking eagle? It's an elementary school. Like an eagle with a pencil. Yeah, I mean, or, or Tony the Tiger uh, type. Yeah, exactly. Cartoony, uh, 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 eagle with a with a um, uh, mortarboard hel- uh, uh, helmet, hat on, uh, something like that. Why? Why? Why does it have to look like it's for the Air Force? 
like yeah, I mean, uh, or nineteen thirties you know, Germany. Yeah, I mean, it looks like something out of a, a '80s Wendy's commercial, you know, with the Eastern Bloc idea. You know, this, this, the, it's just, it's just, just stupid. But it's just stupid, and, it, and they're going to waste taxpayer money. And I don't know how much it, how much it is, but you know, the schools are already crying that they don't have enough money, and they waste money doing something stupid like this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It'll be. It's not a good way to start the school year. That's for sure. <laughs> you you think? Yeah, it's not good. So so we have Georgia Medicaid will cover gender quote affirming surgery under settlement. Yeah, um, I didn't. You know, we talk about so many things and so many things like uh, just in America generally, so many things are being challenged. I don't know if we talked about this before, but this came as a part of a settlement um, lawsuit brought on behalf of two individuals that were represented by the ACLU and they sued the state um, in federal court. They were two people who were born male and according to the complaint, started identifying as female at a young age. You know, I don't know what that means. Is that 5, 15, 30? I mean, I don't know. Um, But they're now both identifying as women. Um, The complaint was about the mental health consequences that they suffered as a result of an inability to get the surgery. And that the procedures being barred under the Medicare program um, were on the basis of sex and their transgender status. Look, we did talk about this on the show when the lawsuit started. Medicaid. Uh, I'm sorry, not Medicare. Yeah, Medicaid. Cosmetic surgery is a privilege for those who work. You can't, you can't go to, to Medicaid and get, get a facelift. You can't you can't go to private insurance get a facelift. Well, obviously, unless there's a medical reason, you know, you know, you've been disfigured in a car accident or or something like that. But it's not medically necessary. It's not. It's it's not going to make you a woman. It's going to be you're going to be a a male with mutilated genitals. That's it. Um, my question is. Do the mental health consequences go away when the surgery is done? No, because you're already off your rocker to want the surgery. It's a body dysmorphia. Yeah. It's no different from being from being uh, anorexic or bulimic. You see yourself differently than you are, and you and you act in such a way to, to manipulate your your body in order to to fix what you know to fix this this perceived problem. Doesn't matter how many times you tell a bulimic, you're so skinny, you need to eat. No, no, no. I'm, I'm fat. I'm fat. I'm fat. Uh, you're a dude. No, I'm a woman. I'm a woman. I'm a woman. No, you're not. The facts are on my side. But that that notwithstanding, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to invert your pecker and call yourself Sally, go for it. But why should I have to pay for it? Um, the Department of Community Health 
is who oversees our state's Medicaid program, and they didn't comment on the settlement. I don't, I am surprised. I, well, I don't know if I'm surprised. I think it's interesting that they settled. Um, the ACLU staff attorney said that this brings the state's Medicaid program in line with the accepted standards of care and the law, um, and that it's these gender-affirming surgeries are safe, effective, and medically necessary. What I find interesting, I guess what it really comes down to is what um, you think the Medicaid program should be, right? Like, should Medicaid be a program for the bare bones of insurance and healthcare access? Like, the, the basic preventatives, depending on, you know, if you're a woman or a man, no puns intended to the story, but like if you need OBGYN, um, colonoscopies, mammograms, things like that, and then emergency care, is that what this is? Should Is that what the Medicaid program should be? Or should Medicaid be a copy of private insurance? I mean, that's really the question to me, aside from this lawsuit is, because, um, you know, the legislature comes in every single year and adds things that Medicaid must require. And they're escaping me right now about what we passed this year, but they've, they've done, they've added to it every single year. They're constantly expanding the program. So, um, I would say like part of this is the state's fault for not, I clearly like outlining what Medicaid should be. Right. It is, it is literally a plastic surgery. It is a cosmetic surgery. Again, you can't change you can't change the your gender. You can't change your sex. Uh, if if we, if, I, I would I would say if if I were a private insurer, I wouldn't cover it unless specifically the company buying the policy wants wants it in there. Company's not obligated to to change your gender. It's a it's a hugely expensive surgery. It's not, it's, it's not an outpatient. Well, it's also not just surgery. There's things that go along with it after, um, I mean, medications and things like that. Yeah. Hormone treatment for the rest of your life to, to trick your body into thinking you're, 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 uh, opposite. If you're a woman taking testosterone, you take take a lot of testosterone. If you're a male, you're going to take a lot of estrogen and testosterone blockers. And to, and that's, that's for the rest of your life. I mean, I'm okay with a private company deciding, um, when they want to cover this type of thing and when they don't, I sure. I mean, I'm okay with them having that. I guess my thing that this is really just grinding my gears with is that um, there's this presumption that Medicaid should be a a cookie cutter copy of private insurance, and that is simply not the case. Because if that were the case, then no one would buy private insurance. Like it is supposed to be. When you buy private insurance, you have better insurance. Yeah. Medicaid is not supposed to be a Cadillac plan. Correct. You know, that's, it is, it, it's Medicaid is to protect, you know, it actually protects, uh, providers. Also, you go in with a broken arm or you need stitches, uh, that provider knows he's, at least he's going to get paid, you know, uh, that providers would, would certainly pull out of. Uh, economically distressed areas if if they weren't getting paid for their services. 
you know, that you bring up an interesting point about the providers and getting paid and stuff, because it just made me think, you know, with I don't and I don't know if this is as widely spread of an issue as it is with Medicaid or Medicare. But a lot of the complaints with Medicare are that, you know, you not all doctors accept the plans. And so sometimes um, people who've had a doctor like their entire life, then they have to go to a different one. And the complaint is often not that they're not as good, but sometimes that they're not as good, right? So the interesting thing here is like, do you just, do you just want any old Joe Blow performing your gender surgery? Right. And you're, you're absolutely right as far as the providers not taking government, uh, the, the Medicare and Medicaid. And reason for that is it's a huge pain in the ass. And it's also not full reimbursement rates. So, right. So, look, I, I compare it to my industry. The people that work for, you, you know, you see on TV these home warranty companies, they'll come out and fix, fix your stuff. The companies that do that are not the best because the, the warranty companies are a huge pain to deal with. They don't, they don't pay, uh, pay worth a damn. So they attract low end companies or, or people just starting out or companies that hire substandard techs because there's, there's no money in it. If you went to school for eight years and, and then you did residency and you found your specialty and, you know, you've, you've worked hard, you keep up with the continuing education. Are you going to do it for a cut rate? No. If you're a cardiologist, why the hell would you take Medicaid? You went through a lot well, of school to become a cardiologist. To, you know? Well, I understand somebody has to, but it tends to be, you know, and I think that you're right. You either have somebody who is a feels it in their heart. Yes, we need to we need to serve we need to help the the underserved. And then they're overwhelmed. And, and, and then they're with- overwhelmed, and you can't afford the best the best staff because again you're we're working at a cut rate. Uh, then appointments are because there are so few providers. Appointments are months out. Uh, but as far, as far as this, I, I, the one time I want Chris Carr to actually fight, he's, he's going to go ahead and settle. This is the one time you want him to fight? Well, I mean, a case that, you know, you, he should actually, you know, go, go and fight and, and be there personally and get involved. And, and that's, that's allowing the court system and a settlement to adjust our policies as far as how we administer our Medicaid. And let that be hammered out in the courts. Right. It's not discrimination. It absolutely not covering a procedure is not discrimination. Well, not transphobic or anything else. They're saying like it's not. You know, I hear you. I, I agree because I mean, what procedure am I getting that they're not? Well, it's not. It's not procedure. It's it. it First of all, it's, it's cosmetic. If right, you, but if, if you if, if you're being discriminated against and you're not having something covered, it's because someone like the only way that that's legit is if someone else is having something covered. Right, within within the same plan. Look, Cadillac plans are always going to be better. They're always going to be a better plan. Uh, even if they went a hundred percent Medicaid across across the board, like like they do in the UK, you have a private health system for people of means. And they just they just don't go to the uh, uh, I, th- I don't know it's NIH or whatever it is that they call it over there. There are people who don't go to that don't go into the socialized system that pay privately, and those are people who are of means. 
and that that's what's gonna that's what's gonna happen here as they push more and more towards these homogenized and government plans is you're gonna have people who can afford to concierge doctors and those are the people they're gonna get the best care that's just the way it is but I I don't I, I just I just don't I, I don't see government spending money on that as as legitimate so Georgia judge criticized Fulton County DA Fannie Willis for hosting a fundraiser for the political rival of one of the targets of her inquiry. This was really stupid. She held a fundraiser for Charlie Bailey, who's running for lieutenant governor on the Democratic ticket. Her team, her lawyers, all of them have, well... It was challenged by Burt Jones, who's running for lieutenant governor, because he is the target of the inquiry and all of that with the Trump stuff. And he obviously was the Trump-backed candidate. Um, And so his attorney filed a motion to have her removed from the case, or at least from his part of the case, because of her hosting a fundraiser for someone he would face. And like not finding someone who didn't have a dog in the hunt and her team has said well we identified that it was somebody it was against somebody in the primary and he's facing him in the general so it's not a big deal and I think that is a really really stupid excuse especially when she and her people have been so out front in the media about this and have wanted so much attention about what they're doing why would you do that? She can donate to whoever she likes. She still shouldn't. Shouldn't. But her husband, uh, friends, or whoever you want to, whoever you want to wash it through. If you if you want to give them, uh, give whoever two grand. You can you can funnel it through somebody else. Keep your name off of it. Keep keep your name out of it. <clears throat> but yeah, absolutely the. You should not be getting, you shouldn't get involved in the two things. You just, yeah, if she, if she is currently going after Burt Jones, she should not be supporting somebody running against Burt Jones. She, well, she shouldn't. Here's the thing. You know, she's doing inquiries on, into several people. And so she really should just do her job and try not to be political. Like, yes, money is free speech and I'm all for that. But the optics are terrible. And if you don't want people to be distracted by the optics about, you know, whether or not you're biased because you're already a Democrat, um, then don't do stupid things like this. And, you know, the thing I always say about, you know, when people say that I'm, and this is not exactly the same thing, but it's the same premise. When I defend, like, someone who's been charged with a heinous crime like murder or child molestation or rape or something, and they're like, why, how can you defend that with their charges? Well, because let's say if they actually did do it, then I don't want I want the case to be locked down and have no premise for appeal. And she should be taking the same approach and she's not, which shows me her intentions and you know, she uh, she's she was a light at the end of the tunnel because we had the tenure of Paul Howard and he was awful and so sure um with a giant pile of crap, a smaller pile of crap seems better. Well, the judge was not amused. He was not. I mean, he said the optics are, are horrific. I don't know if I'd use horrific, maybe horrible. Yeah. 
uh, he said, do you think this is a fair and balanced approach to things? You know, and that's, that's, you probably shouldn't start off with pissing off the judge. He's also chastised them because they're legal advisors on TV all the time, all the time, talking about the investigation. Right. It's, it's a mess. It's, I don't even pay attention anymore. I mean, because I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to know what's going on because I don't, I don't believe what they're telling us from the standpoint of, at this point, everyone has, no one's intentions are pure. Oh, no, it's absolutely agenda driven. And it's, it's to, it, look, there's no doubt everybody's enjoying their 15 minutes getting on CNN and discussing the investigation, discussing how, you know, this county prosecutor is going after the former president. It's, 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 it's absurd. The, the, the entire idea is absurd. And then for, for her to get into a race that she's not involved in. Just do, just do your damn job. Just prosecute crime. That's what you, that's what you were hired by the voters of, of Fulton County to do is prosecute crime. And I, I, like I said, I don't have a problem with her making political de- donations. Yes, it, it's probably not the best time to do it, but she can donate to whoever, whomever she likes. The, the problem is, especially when you do such a public event, raising money and being out front uh, for this person who is running against uh, the subject of one of your investigations. It's pompous. It's stupid. It's brazen. It is brazen. It's intentional. And, and, you know, quite honestly, she should be removed from his part of the case because if you're going to be that reckless, it's not like we didn't know that. I mean, her their whole argument is we didn't know Charlie Bay was going to be the nominee. We didn't know Burt Jones was going to be the nominee. Sure, but we knew it was possible. They were on the ballot. Right. Just stay out of it. Right. Just, just do your job. Stay out of it. But that's she's enjoying the, the 15 minutes of fame that comes with it. Otherwise, we wouldn't even know her name. This is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. Gun owners who are disqualified under state law can now be charged with trafficking in firearms. Not sure if this was one of those, like, oh, we didn't know it was going to do this. I mean, I'm sure somebody did, but like, oh, we didn't know it was going to do this. Or, yeah, we knew we were going to do this. We just didn't tell anybody. Yeah, so when... When we think of trafficking in firearms, you think of literally trafficking. I think of Obama and Eric Holder. Well, yeah, exactly. But somebody who's buying and selling and, you know, moving, moving things along. That's not what this applies to. Now, look, every state has different laws on what disqualifies a gun owner. Uh, Some states, it is super tight. Like Georgia tends, tends, tends to be tighter and you can get your, your rights reinstated in Georgia, especially for nonviolent felonies and things like that after, uh, after you're off, off probation and everything else. And then you have states that even if you're, if you're convicted two decades ago of what they consider a violent misdemeanor. Now, what's a violent misdemeanor? Assault, getting, in a, getting in a brawl. 
So 18 years old, you, uh, you get in a fight in a bar. And from there, uh, you get charged, you plead guilty to some misdemeanor assault charge. You don't, you don't go to jail. And in fact, you may not even know that you're prohibited in that state from owning a firearm because it doesn't come up when you, when you do the, when you do the, the background check. It doesn't come up when you fill out the 4473 if you have no idea. So not only in, in places like that can you get charged and, and spend up to five years in, in state prison for it and hit with a firearms felony, you can now get hit with another 15 years in federal prison for trafficking in firearms because uh, you took possession of a firearm not knowing you were pro- prohibited. And there are certain misdemeanors that get you prohibited, uh, domestic violence being one of them, justifiably so. Uh, so with that, there's this murky area that's, that's called trafficking and no one would, I'm not a, I'm not a firearms trafficker. I buy, I I buy guns. I sometimes I sell guns. I'm not, I'm not a trafficker, but under, under this law, if, if you're prohibited, even if you were convicted in another state and you go to one of these states that, that says that a, that a, a violent misdemeanor prohibits you from, from uh, carrying a firearm. You, it, it, they say ignorance of the law is no excuse, but they pop you, you know, in one case, uh, 17 years later. Yeah, it's, um, I hate it. Because, and then, like, you think about, like, the domino effect of, you know, possessing a gun as a convicted felon and how we've triggered that and how like in Georgia, we just passed that law about if you, for each instance that you own, you possess one when you're not supposed to, it's its own additional charge, which comes with a mandatory. So you're stacking, you're just stacking and stacking and stacking. I mean, that's what we're doing here and we have to pay for it. Yeah. And I, I don't know how it's not double jeopardy. I know SCOTUS has, says it is not. Um, getting <clears throat> getting charged at two different levels for the same action. And the fact is, the person that, we're, that I'm using, using the example of that had a, a simple assault, you know, 17 years before, was not prohibited on the federal level from, from owning a firearm. So... so when you go to the NICS system and all that stuff, you're, he's not prohibited on the federal level, but the law, law now applies itself to the state laws. So just last week, the U.S. Sentencing Commission, which is the bureaucratic agency we have that helps outline how we sentence people at the federal level, they released their annual report on firearms offenses at the federal level. And there's a couple statistics that are kind of relevant to this, which include... Um, it says that firearms offenses are the most common crimes prosecuted and sentenced in federal court and a crime that has increased 45% since 2015. Um, 89% of federal firearms offenders were prohibited from possessing a firearm. They 32% involve a weapon that was stolen or 24% possessed one that was prohibited, such as a sawed-off shotgun or machine gun. Um, an offender or co-participant discharged a firearm in 11 and a half or 11 percent of the firearms offenses. 
When discharged, physical harm resulted in about one quarter of the cases, 18% injury to another, 4% to self. I I mean, why are we charging someone who shot themselves? (laughs) Freaking feds. And then there's one other. It says um, the average sentence for a federal firearm offender is 42 months, um, but varies depending on various aggravating factors, of course, because they use that point system. But, I mean, yeah, I think those look, numbers, great. You're just going to – I have a real problem with the fact that most of our – at least 50% of our um, federal offenses in prison are guns. Yeah, and, and look, the the sawed-off shotgun idea, violating the NFA, <clears throat> the National Firearms Act, which – is where you have uh, short barrel shotguns, short barrel rifles, silencers, machine guns. Violating that is, is can be relatively easy to do without meaning it. There are a lot of strange, uh, strange laws when it comes to whether something's a pistol or a short barrel rifle. So you know you rack up some of those offenses to all right. You've heard of, a, of an AR pistol, right? It's it's a, a AR fifteen that doesn't have a technical buttstock on it. Right. If you put a forward grip on it, like a vertical grip, it is now a short barrel rifle and that's 10 years in prison. If you put a slanted grip on it, it's a pistol and that's, that's, a, that, that's, a, that's a hand aid. So there are a lot of little uh, nuances in the National Firearms Act and the way it's administered by the ATF and federal prosecutors that, that makes that not a, not a surprise to me. Right, but it's not a good... I mean, that's literally not the point at all. Well, no, I get that. But, it, you know, when you, when you talk about federal firearms uh, uh, violations, uh, bank robberies are federal. So if you use a gun, it's federal. It, well, you know, even if you don't discharge it or if it doesn't have ammo in it. Yeah, but we have plenty of people who rob banks that are sitting in state prisons. Yes, those are typically uh, note passers and things like that. Once you bring a gun into a bank, it it opens it up to be federal. Yes, but I mean, what I'm I guess what I'm getting at is our federal prisons are full of people who were paying more to house for longer periods of time. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make good sense. No, they keep talking about prison reform, but then they pass this thing, which we're going to lock you away for a decade and a half, even if you didn't know you were violating state law. And having to pay pay uh, your dues in the state is bad enough, then the federal government is going uh, to come in like Billy Mays go, but wait, there's more. Uh, it's... They were in a rush to, to cram something through and call it and call it a violence bill, call it a, a gun control bill. They were in such a rush to cram something through and get credit for it that, once again, the unintended consequences of, of what these lawmakers do is, is what really, it really does the damage. So, House moving on all kinds of things hinted at in the Dobbs decision, even though Justice Samuel Alito said nothing in this opinion should be understood to cast doubt on precedents that do not concern abortion. Obviously, it's because of Clarence Thomas. I mean, and look, and Thomas was was speaking uh, academically. And I think, you know, at, at a certain level, and, and Thomas is a super smart guy, that... You know, 
some things are best left unsaid. But I, I think what he what his point was is that these are things that are not specifically guaranteed in the Constitution. Therefore, the states need to move to codify these things. Yeah. But Congress has taken that as, hey, the feds need to codify these things. Well, all right. So we we have same-sex marriage. Uh, It was Lawrence uh, v. Texas, 2003 ruling that prohibited states from outlawing consensual gay sex. And then... uh, uh, Oberfell, whatever, uh, versus V. Hodges, 2015 case that protected same-sex marriage as a constitutional right. Mm-hmm. So last, what, Tuesday maybe, I think it was, they voted um, and they, so several years ago in the 90s under the Clinton administration, they passed the Defense of Marriage Act, 96 was um, that's when they did the whole one man, one woman thing. And so this bill that they've passed in Congress is called the Respect for Marriage Act um, from New York Congressman Gerald Nadler. Basically, it repeals the language because even though those court opinions, you know, nullified the the laws, they're still on the books. So. The um, new bill, the Respect for Marriage Act, repeals the Defense of Marriage Act. Um, It prevents states from denying any type of record, act, judicial proceeding about marriage because of the sex, race, ethnicity, national origin, all the protected classes that we have. And then it prevents a state from denying or recognizing any marriage that was legal at the time the marriage took place. So basically grandfathering in, if any state were to come in and make it um, just go back to one man, one woman, then they would still be obligated to recognize all of the marriages that are currently in effect, which I mean, I am like the first person to say that the state has no like the, you're both dumbasses. Nobody should be asking the government to give them a license to be married. And it's all about taxes and everything else. But if they're going to undo some of it, if the Republican states are going to lean that way, for the love of God, leave the ones that are already there alone. Like that's going to that would make a colossal disaster. Well, ex post facto. It was legal when it when it happened. They have to they have to abide by it. Sure. You can't you can't ret- retroactively go in and dissolve and just dissolve marriages. I thought that the uh, Hodges not case dissolve them. They just wouldn't recognize them. Right for new the laws. Hodges case uh, for me was the right decision for the wrong reason, and it should have been government has no place validating the the. Uh, consensual relationship between adults period well yeah that's the entire problem with all this is like they're fighting over something that's gross to fight over anyway like what are you doing nobody cares look i don't i don't i don't care about gay marriage i don't i don't care about about bigamy i I don't care as long as everybody's an adult and everybody's consenting it's interesting that you say that because I, the other day I was like, gosh, we are just like rehashing things that were for all intents and purposes settled. And I really, 
I mean, I think there are plenty of people who are still opposed to gay marriage for their own personal beliefs, but it was like one of those few issues that we had kind of put to bed and like just weren't going to argue about anymore. And I'm really kind of irritated that we're bringing it back because of all the things going on in this country right now, who somebody marries really is like the least of my worries because it impacts me in no way whatsoever. Unless I get invited to the wedding and I have to buy a gift, it doesn't affect me at all. Uh, I don't, I, I don't you understand don't why people, go. I know, it, but if you get an invite, you're, you're expected to send a gift. Sure. Uh, you might, you might as well get the open bar. The worst thing you do is invite me to a wedding and not have an open bar. Cause that, that's cr- bull crap. Give me a cash Never bar at a wedding. Never make south of Macon. <laughs> no. They Give don't me even a have a bar. bar. Well, you tell me that up front, I'll carry a flask in my jacket. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to watch that that sort that sort of uh, uh, you know goat rodeo sober. That's that's insane. So they're they're trying to apply this elsewhere. Look, the the gay marriage thing uh, ah, that that'd be that'd be a tough one for. I mean, even as as conservative as Georgia is, that'd be a rough one. I, I don't think any of our uh, any of our legislators are gonna are gonna touch that with a with a ten foot pole. Are They're you also kidding? saying, "Oh no, it'd be a Come horrible on. idea." Oh my gosh, I bet you like Clay Perkle and oh man, yeah, I bet you there would be some some. Yeah, but yeah, there's gonna be some outlier. There's there's somebody who who writes writes bills every session about uh, that they know not it's not gonna pass. I mean, Dominic gonna- Laricchia would have died on that hill. He's going home. Thank God, praise Jesus. But uh, he would have, that would have been, he would have. Mm. Now, if you want, if you want to do a bill as a get government out of, out of marriage completely, God bless you. You shouldn't have to go ask government for marrying somebody. Go apply for a license. You know, if, if, uh, if you're in the, the covenant of marriage, I mean, it's between you, your partner and God. But why are people, or not God, if you don't want it to be between God, but you know, why do people not comprehend that? Like, why is that so foreign for them? Why is it not? Why is the default? Why do I have to ask permission? Why? Like that, that is never the answer for people. The answer for people is, well, government should recognize all marriages or government should recognize marriages as God intended. Like why, why are people so dense on this issue i don't know i don't know it's the it's the, the the same people will openly rail against what happens in the muslim world and the way uh, the way things are done and using the uh, the religious leader as as the head of state and they'll say that's just awful the way they're the way they're doing that and then here want, want to use their religion as as a way of of controlling people your your religion is your deeply held belief it doesn't affect anybody else. If someone if someone doesn't like doesn't like the way you worship, just eh, move on, move on with your life. It just doesn't matter. Uh, but this 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 idea that we need to we need government to to bless our wedding, and that that goes back to the the Middle Ages with having to go to the local lord to get permission to marry, so they can have a share of it. Yeah. 
if it, if it pleases the crown, might I have a consensual relationship with this other person? I mean, but the marriage thing is so ingrained in, in everything, uh, in life, stigma, and in law. Uh, your wife has, well, I mean, my wife has different standing than she would if we were just partners and living together. She has a different standing legally with, with handling my affairs should, uh, sh- should I become incapacitated. Uh, she automatically inherit if I die, automatically inherits everything because, because, because she's my wife and not, not just a, not just a domestic partner. There, there's so much of that stuff. To, to me, marriage is legally is just a contract. I mean, it's a death cult, but it's, it's a contract. And, you know, that's fine if, if, as long as you have the contract and everybody involved is happy. And if you dissolve that contract, you need to go to civil court, just like you would in any other entity. I don't know. The, 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 the marriage thing pisses me off because it, who you marry just doesn't bother me. I just don't care. Yeah. Don't, I mean, be a good person. Don't be a turd. Uh, you know, we also have the, the opinion referenced by Thomas, the, the Griswold versus Connecticut 1965 ruling that secured the right for married couples to use contraceptives. Yeah, this is, well, this comes down to, again, both sides being wrong because there's no right, like this is going, the, the, the Democrats are pushing this with the right to contraceptive. You don't. You don't have a right to it. You have, I I mean, the government, again, like, what are you doing? Get out of the way, you know? I mean, you have you have the freedom to use act- contraceptives. It's yeah. not the right because it's not, there's no nothing about contraceptives in the Constitution. The federal government is bound, should be bound by the letters in the Constitution, and in the Bill of Rights, and the amendments uh, thereafter. That is all that the federal government should be looking at, period. Is it is it constitutional? Is it within the Constitution? If it's not, Tenth Amendment. That goes to the states. And look, I get it. Uh, uh, look, con- nobody is going to outlaw contraception. Besides, besides the fact that it has to do with making sure you don't make babies, is it's a health issue. Yeah, it's again lots of um, off-label uses. But again, it's just leading people to argue about things that we shouldn't be arguing about right now. And um, you know, again, well, if that- it's going to be codified, it should not be codified at the federal level. Like it, 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 it shouldn't. It's not the federal government's uh, sector of fire. They need to stay, stick in their box, and the states need to do what they need to do. Uh, and look, no, nobody is outlawing condoms. Nobody. I mean, it, it, just just not. Uh, you have the opposition from the GOP. The bill uh, would protect contraceptives not approved by the FDA. Yeah, I don't care. I don't get why they care about this. Like, why? First of all, lots of off-label uses are not approved by the FDA for all kinds of medicines, and nobody's trying to do anything about that. They literally give the FDA, I mean, second, like, why, why is this, why, why? 
I I don't know, and I and I and I I don't know what why I care what the FDA says about the the contraceptive. I hate I, the I, FDA. I hate. They're slow. They're stupid. Don't like them. Don't they're slow. Them, they're stupid. Af- I don't like yeah. them. Yeah. Well, that goes for most of the alphabet agencies. Well, just I'm consistent. <laughs> you are consistent. Uh, whilst filing legislation allowing contraceptives to be obtained over the counter if they're FDA approved. Right. So, like, the, I mean, the Republicans are acting like their only point of contention is that the Democrats' version of the bill is that it would allow access to medications that aren't FDA approved because while the Democrats are trying to codify this, the Republicans have introduced a bill to make prescription birth control available over the counter. You know, that has been a tool used by uh, gynecologists for decades. You want your birth control? You need to get up on the table. Because, and I, I, look, y'all need to have that sucker maintenance every year and checked out. Absolutely. That's, that's, that, that's the healthy thing to do. That, that's a cancer screening that, 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 that absolutely needs, needs to be done. That, that annual maintenance on, on that sucker has got to be done. But the, I always thought it was this blackmail of, you're not going to get your birth control until you come see me. So, I, you know, I don't know if they're actually well, looking for side I mean, effects or, yeah, I mean, or whatever I mean, else, but... Part of it is, like, you shouldn't really just be willy-nilly, you know, doing whatever you want without having... Like, they're not going to continue to prescribe. Like, they're on the hook for a medication. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm with you to an extent. I... I don't but now you, you can do telehealth. There's advertisements on TV uh, that, you know... I need to get into my doctor to get my birth control. Well, we can't see you for, for six weeks. I just need birth control. Why not call this number? And it's a telehealth thing or go to this website and it's telehealth and you answer some questions and they, they cut your prescription for you. I mean, it's as close to being over the counter as, as humanly possible. So, so I, I don't know. They're also arguing that it, that over overrides RIFRA. Yeah, because they're going back to like that this bill would take go back to the whole like nuns having to provide birth control to girl I don't know it doesn't require look the bill's stupid the the GOP could come out with a principled stand which is this is not the role of federal government kick it to the states and they could stand up on on state sovereignty, they could stand up on the Tenth Amendment, and they could actually make a principled argument that the federal government has no role in the individual uh, health care of of its citizens. Government uh, government uh, has well, no then role. Then the Democrats to do that. are going to turn around and say, "Well, you can't do that because what we gave the state you're giving states abortion to the states, and they I mean that's going to be their argument." It doesn't matter if you're if if you're state if you're gonna take the principled and I, I know I get what you're saying if you're gonna take the principled argument and stand up and say this is not the role of the federal government because the honestly the federal government can't 
can't enforce it. The only thing they can do is offer grants or withhold withhold grants to states that don't do things they want. That's how government affects, or that's how federal government affects state law is through the pocketbook. Oh, well, I mean, God help you if you're trying to, if this passes and then you're trying to, I don't know, like get your birth control and you have a gun on you, you'll end up in federal prison trafficking, trafficking birth trafficking. control and guns at the same time. I wonder what freaking George can, Washington he, would think if he found out that our government spends this much time fighting about freaking birth control. I wonder what he would say. Ah. <sighs> uh. Yeah, he'd say a lot looking at our society. Yeah, yeah, you get caught uh, trafficking like Viagra. Uh, you're going to do hard time? Only if you have a gun. Only have, if you have a gun, you do federal time. So uh, eight Republicans joined Democrats in supporting the measure. Uh, Liz Cheney, no, no surprise. Brian Fitzpatrick. She is, Miss Piggy. Uh, Brian Fitzpatrick of uh, Pennsylvania. Anthony Gonzalez, Ohio. John Katko, New York, again, not surprise. Adam Kitzinger, uh, uh, Illinois. Nancy May, South Carolina. Maria Elvira Salazar, I like, I love saying her name. Uh, Florida, and Fred Upton from Michigan. You got six no votes and two present. That was Bob Gibbs of Ohio and Mike Kelly of Pennsylvania. Which, I mean, talk about cowards. A no yeah, vote like I mean, a present vote. Yep, 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 Vernon. No, he didn't vote present. Oh, no, he just, just, yeah, he didn't show up. He voted absent. But not Uh, absent like Bill Werkheiser votes, like when he's in Atlanta and then votes from his district and, you know, there's so many different ways to vote. (laughs) Well, as as we're winding down, Jess, what do you got for your closing thought? Um, Just like an informal mule of the week, I would like to nominate um, Justice Kagan of the U.S. Supreme Court. Because she said this week that the legitimacy of the Supreme Court is tied to its conformity to public opinion. And if they get too far from it, they're going to risk the legitimacy. And her quote was, I'm not talking about any particular decision or even any particular series of decisions. But if over time the court loses all connection with the public and the public sentiment, that's a dangerous thing for a democracy. Um, And I just think that is the dumbest crap I've heard all week because, you know, the problem with the and the danger to our constitutional republic is that we've gotten away from the Constitution. We've gotten away from our foundations. And just like we were just talking about, like all these things that are not the proper role of government, you know, there are plenty of people, far more than 50 percent of them, who believe that... um, the Constitution is is not what should lead and guide us. And, you know, we were never meant to be governed by a majority. And so I don't really care what the majority of people think or what the majority of the public opinion is. I mean, that's the entire premise of the country. And so um, I never really liked her as a justice, but this is just another. You're a learned member of the Supreme Court, not Ryan Seacrest. We don't do popular vote. Constitutional or not, get it in your box. And the fact that she looks at the way she views any case that comes before her as what does what, what does uh, the public think? There's 20% of people think the world is flat. There are people who think there are, there are lizard people living under the crust of, of, of the earth. 
what there, there are people who follow Q. I mean, you're no, there's a reason that you're a learned member of the bar and you advanced as far as you did. It is to sit there and judge the constitutionality, not run a American Idol. So she can kiss my ass. All right. So the happiest place on earth, Disneyland or Disney World. Did you hear about this one? I didn't. So there's two groups of families getting in line uh, for a ride. I can't remember which ride it was. And one of the girls realizes she left her uh, phone on the little tram. So he goes running over the tram, gets, gets her phone. And when she comes back, another family come behind her and she went to go rega- regain her family. And of course, you know, they're all in the same family because they're all wearing matching shirts. Which apparently is a thing at, at, at Disney World. So the, the family in the back didn't like her cutting in line, coming back up to her family w- with her phone. So it turned into, into shouting and it went into a full on brawl where a couple, a couple people were treated for bumps and bruises and scrapes. And, and I mean, it's, I mean, all, all was missing was somebody holding the phone yelling world star. I mean, it looked, I mean, it was a, it was a, a two families brawling over their place in line for a ride at Disney world. Uh, now I get it. It's, Orlando, it's hot. It sucks. The the uh, the kids are tired. You're tired. No, none of the adults want to be there. But you don't need to get in a fisticuffs. It, it, uh, Disney employees responded. Uh, Orange County deputies responded. I mean, it was talk about ruining your Disney vacation. Getting uh, getting locked up for simple assault. Excellent example. <laughs> exactly. Now you can't own a gun in Maryland or whatever state it is. So. Thank you very much for listening. For Eric Cumbie, our awesome editor, for Je- for Jessica Salagi, my partner in this endeavor, and I, I've only said her name for three or four years now. I can't get it, can't spit it out. I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. Catch me howling at the moon